This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Pride of West London podcast, your new instalment of the Besotted podcast. Another week, another pod. Um, I'm joined this week by another fine selection of gentlemen. Um, to my left, I have Jimmy Mack. Jimmy, welcome again. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Yeah, um, back by uh, popular demand or, or maybe like the, the ringer on a Sunday league morning. Phoned at the last minute because the best players couldn't make it, but either way, was it that happy obvious, to be was here. Was it that obvious for the test? <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Oh. Hey, he, he called me five minutes ago, <laughs> uh, and I was outside. So, <laughs> well, welcome. Thank you. Little Nick. Hi. Evening, afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening to this. Um, looking forward. I'm looking forward to actually watching a game at Griffin Park again. So let's yeah, get it on. Let's come get on. on. Mr Croxford, Mark Croxford is back again. How's your week been, Mark? Uh, yeah, the week's been okay. Things happened that I probably best not for me to talk about here. But um, oh, we'll go. share those later. On. <laughs> they didn't press charges. <laughs> but um, no, nice to be back. You didn't nick a load of turf, did you? <laughs> <laughs> Operation UB. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sod that. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, you know, we were saying though, but it's, it's quite a big week. You know, this we're doing a podcast and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. But um, you know. There's two days to go. This 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 news that could happen that we are unaware of. That, yeah, it's, um, a, it's a strange time, isn't it? Because I think um, feelings sort of change from from day to day at the moment. And I think 24 hours time, we could all be feeling in a very different frame of mind to, to what we are now. Hopefully, even more positive than, than we are at the moment. But it, it's it's a strange time with the transfer deadline coming up. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. Um, Change very quickly. In the meantime, we'll just take it one pint at a time, one pint at a time. Mr. Allard, um, you don't look very happy. What's up with you, mate? I'm just a bit down, you know how it is. Um, down? Yeah, I'm just a bit upset with it all. Um, Why? You know, what, upset with Brentford? Well, it's just, it's all falling apart, isn't it? You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure if it's ever going to be the same, really. What, the bees? No, one direction. One, do- one, <laughs> one direction? What's, what's, what? 
Well, <laughs> well, I, I, I can't begin to even comment on that without. It's part of, it's part of my, uh, it's part of my tag. I'm not allowed to mention uh, yeah, boy bands. I'll speak of that. <laughs> so, uh, on that note, um, I think we ought to move on. So the biggest news of the week is undoubtedly the fact that Andre Gray has finally naffed off to Burnley. He flirted around with Bristol City and Hull, but Burnley's finally got their man. The other big news of the week is the fact that Bill Grant's back in the country, and you, you could probably guess that by um, reading his article on Saturday, um, which pretty much outlined all there was to know or is available in the public domain or not, wasn't in the public domain about the Burnley transfer. It looks like... Um, Burnley will pay £9.75 million for Gray, and that's split £6.25 million um, over, a, over a period of time, I think, and £3.5 million in add-ons. Um, Luton Town are going to get a, a chunk of that too. They're going to get £1.1 million, and then another 700000 I think, if Burnley go up and stay up. So it's still a complicated deal, um, but I think... Are we just glad to see it's done finally, Matt? Yeah, I think so. I think um, considering it's, it has dragged on from pretty much the well from the opening day of the season, we at least we got two two goals out of him. Uh, one of them was very important. Um, I sort of you know I just you knew it was going to happen, really, didn't you? I, th- I think we kind of all knew it was going to happen. There was in some respect maybe we were hoping he would hang around, but then the money that was being you know thrown our way. Could we have turned it down? I think uh, the only thing I think is if it had happened in June, um, it all been over and done with. We could have, you know, gone into the season running, but but that isn't the way football transfers work, unfortunately. No, I mean, understandably, we didn't hear a lot from Gray while the um, transfer was, um, you know, toing and froing, and while there was lots of negotiations going on. Since the transfer has happened and he obviously has found his new home, um, he's, he's been a little bit more vociferous. Mark, you, you saw the Sky interview. How, how did he? How do you think he came across? Yeah, I thought he. I watched the Sky interview yesterday that he did, and I thought he came across really well. He, he said some nice things about his time at uh, at Brentford. Said some nice things about Mariner Stuykelson and the good relationship he, he formed with him during the short time they worked together. He also said, interestingly, that, interestingly, that he. He spoke at some length with Mark Warburton and David Weir, Frank McParland, um, to seek their advice on the best move for him to make, which I suppose is no surprise, but I think shows the sort of respect that he had for the previous management team. But um, yeah, I thought, he, I thought he came across well. Nick, there's been also, you know, he's spoken to the local press as well. Um, yeah, there's a good article on the Get West London website as well with worth looking up because if you didn't see if you can't see the sky one because again it said roughly the same things you know he was very positive about the new kids on the block um, and I think what he did make sure was that everybody all the Brentford fans really now need to sort of take a chill pill because it's quite clear that he moved on as we said last week it was quite clear Gray was after a pay rise and from Burnley he got three or four times and who can blame who can blame the guy for wanting to uh, get what he, you know, the most he can do? As we always say, fo- football's a short, a short career. I was really pleased as well is that he didn't diss the, the new management. Um, so for everybody who thinks that you know there's a great falling out behind the scenes, that doesn't appear to exist. Um, and so let's move on. You know, Andre Gray's gone. Let's welcome the new king, whoever the new king might be. No new king quite yet, Jim. You know. 
yes, he has gone finally, but what he what he does is he leaves a he leaves a big hole up front. You know, it's something we we have to address. You were up at Burnley. Um, you, you saw um, it was quite an impotent up front display. You know, where do we go from here? Yeah, it, Burnley. Um, you know, it reminded me a little bit, little bit of the Ipswich game opening day, and Gray really changed that game when he came on. And I think a Gray type player would have done the same. Um, listen, he's gone. We've got good money for him. Uh, you know, can't complain with a fee. I don't begrudge the boy going and earning probably twenty, thirty grand a week compared to the three or four he was on at Brentford. Uh, it's just, it's just been a growing, growing sort of uh, groundswell recently about moving the transfer deadline day to, to before the season. And had this happened then, uh, and we'd have a replacement in by now, I think a lot, you know, most of the fans wouldn't be too unhappy with it at all. It's just the fact that it's. Do you think? Do you think we would have lost him if if the, if the transfer deadline was before the season started? Because I, I I'm not I'm not actually sure we will. We, we might have lost him, but we wouldn't have got that this amount of money. But, oh, or we he, wouldn't have lost him at all. I'm, I'm convinced he would have gone. I mean, Sean Dyche quoted in the press saying that they've been in the they've been speaking to Brentford for weeks and I've done it quietly. Yeah, respect him for that uh, I'm sure he would have gone and I'm sure he would have signed a replacement who is no doubt lined up already he'd be here by now we'd have our team together and we'd be focusing on being not concerned about where the goal's going to come from Sean Dice speaking quietly must sound really <laughs> odd yeah I think he must have cleared his throat that day uh, so he doesn't do Jimmy makes a really serious point about the transfer deadline day is that actually I mean never mind Brentford you know you look at Everton you look at the other clubs you look at Southampton uh, and round the league, um, Norwich was a good example. Lewis Graben, who the known known to us Bees fans for all the wrong reasons, um, but you know he was um, Norwich said to him last night, "No, you're not going anywhere." Um, and by the time this podcast comes out, he'll probably have gone to Bournemouth. But it was interesting how how strong some some clubs are being about it. But but Graben was wanting to move, there's no evidence of Graben wanting to move, only because he wants to join up with his mates. I mean, the evidence that Andre Gray's given is that he, he was moving for money and stuff. But, Jimmy, you're dead right. Transfer window should end the minute the season starts because the disruption in his cause is ever-growing. And I can't see that there's any justification for it continuing um, to go on like this. Do you, do, you think, and do you think it was important as well? I mean, the other thing... We heard before the game was the fact that Andre Gray was going to be paraded um, at, at, at half time, like a, like like the, the Hereford Bull, and it, it it didn't actually it didn't happen, and I, I, I was just very pleased. I, I, it could have turned quite nasty. Are you were you is that was that important to you? I just think it's, uh, anyone that thought that was a good idea, um, I think probably needed um, needed yeah needed speaking to him. Maybe got spoken to. Didn't seem yeah I. I I can't imagine that sort of thing in front of football sports. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I wonder whether Andre Gray himself kiboshed it. Yeah, maybe. We shall never know. The other important news this week so far is the fact that QPR fixture has been moved forward 24 hours. Um, it's going to be a Friday night under the Griffin Park floodlights. Sherlock Holmes, the besotted Sherlock Holmes, was on the case of this. Um, there was a conspiracy theory going on that um, if Brentford and Queen's Park Rangers weren't in the League Cup for any strange reason, um, Sky wanted to televise this game, so we may have pulled it or been asked to pull it or provisionally pulled it just in case we were both available to play on a Friday night when it could be televised instead of a Saturday. Um, I mean, far be it from me to say that's exactly what's happened, but it looks like that's exactly what's happened. Um, Jimmy, 
QPR down at our place on a Friday is going to be quite lively. Yeah, well, Fulham last year was a, was a riotous evening, helped by the result and the way it ended. Um, I think QPR fans are a bit notoriously a bit more lively than Fulham fans, so uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see what the pubs look like come 11 o'clock, whatever the result. But um, at first, when I heard they were going to move it, I wasn't too keen because Saturday 3 o'clock is where football should be, but yeah, I, I, I later heard the World Cup final for the, for the Fugby starts at 4, and you know, if that was going to detract from the game, I warmed to the idea that it would be a Friday night, so... Um, hey, let's uh, let's let's get it on. Let's hope Charlie Austin's gone by that point, and uh, I should look forward to being in the Globe for 10 a.m. for the uh, for the sausage breakfast. Are we in for Charlie Austin? Um, Sequel two five. Mark, this is the highest profile Brentford Queens Park Rangers game for many many a year. It's going to be a pretty intense evening, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic evening, but I, I, I'm not sorry at all that it's a it's a Friday night. That I remember that when we played QPR, and it may have been the first time we played them for many years, back in the probably early 2000s. 2003 was, four season. And it was a midday on a Saturday, midday kickoff, something like that. There was a game that was a midday kickoff. That was, cut, that was a cut game. There was a midday game anyway, around about that time, and the atmosphere was, was awful. It was it was just so flat that I, I sat in the front seat of the new road and it was just well it was just one of the worst atmospheres I'd experienced for a long long time at the at Griffin Park. So as long as as long as we hadn't got a, a, a midday Saturday kickoff, I'm delighted. And I think a, a, an evening game will give it the sort of well, kudos it deserves. I don't, I don't think it'll be a midday kickoff. I think it's going to be a midday start for a lot of fans. I think I yeah, think there'll be a, there'll be a fair few half days taken in in, in preparation for. What's going to be? It's a, it's a, you can't you can't say this is anything other than a real eagerly anticipated game. I know we had a little bit of spat saying this is our cup final. This is clearly not our cup final, but it's clearly one of the it's, it's, it's the game of the season at Griffin Park. The great games at Griffin Park you remember tend to be the ones played under lights, and this will be under lights. You know, the last time we played them in the league, I think was under lights. It was Valentine's Day in two thousand and four, if I'm not mistaken, and I can't remember whether it was at Griffin Park or whether it was back at Loftus Road where Rowlands scored and ran off kissing his badge. Was it at Griffin Park or was it? And, but, but, you know, anyway, all I can remember is the fantastic atmosphere that that, that, that produced. Um, fantastic in more ways than one um, after the game as well. But so under lights, no, that's where it football, you, that's where you remember football. And if you were trying to get a ticket to take a non-convinced Bees fan, get them a ticket for the QPR game under lights at Griffin Park. Be fantastic. T- tickets are going to be like gold dust, Mr Allard. Yeah, I guess they will. I think um, I'm sure we probably we will be closing down on the you know who can apply for home end tickets etc. Um, and um, yeah, I, it's going to be brilliant. I think um, it, it's of all the slots because I, I, I'm with you. I agree on the three o'clock Saturday afternoon slot is when football should be played. But it's probably the best slot that isn't Saturday afternoon at three o'clock. Yeah, it is available. So it is going to be Friday, October the thirtieth. 2015 at 7.30 7.45 7.45 there you have it I can't wait Burnley we have to talk about it Um, highlight of the day for me really was a 20 minute period in the first half Um, Maxine Collin I thought was 
Very, very impressive. Um, and a couple of points in the Burnley Miners Club after the game, which, apart from that, I thought it was pretty much a flat day for Brentford. Jimmy, talk me through your Burnley day, mate. Well, yeah, it was a... Um, as soon as we uh, reached the Northern Territories, the rain came down, and... Uh, Brentford fans were getting thrown off the uh, local trains by overzealous conductors. But when it comes to the football, you know, again, we started quite well for the first 20 minutes and Kurt Baumann put that ball through to Vibe, which he never quite got the end of. And we just really missed, we really literally missed someone up front to take the take the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, hard to find many positives uh, in the game, apart from well-organised, defensively we looked okay. But, um, you know, you mentioned Maxim Collin, he was straight out of the... Uh, other badging mode, very encouraging. If that's the sort of replacement we're picking up, then um, you know, bring on the, the new striker, which we desperately need. But as I said, it's a, it'll be a forgettable game, really. A one 0 defeat, and you know, I'm obviously looking forward to Reading as soon as the whistle went. To be honest, Nick, certain players need to up their game. I think we learned from that. Yeah, I agree. It was a bit of a near game for me, but Kirschbaumer, Gogia, and I think Hoffman were the three noticeable ones. Uh, Kirschbaumer Kirsch, and Gogia never really got into the game. You know give it another five, six weeks, they might be there and they might be, you know, understanding what championship football is about. Hoffman made a nuisance of himself. I mean, I'm afraid to say he was responsible for the, for the, the goal. Yeah. He didn't do, you know, he didn't do his job. Um, Set-piece coach, you know, obviously wasn't quite clear in getting the message through. But, hey, move on. You know, we'll we'll lose to uh, better teams than Burnley were. I have to say that Burnley didn't set the world light on uh, Saturday either. Mark, um, three foreign players been singled out there by Nick as needing to step up. Is it is it a case that it takes them a little bit of time to acclimatise? Yeah, yeah, I think it is, and I, I hate it when people talk about you know they were they were Premier League last year, therefore they should be better than us. I, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but the fact is we have got three or four players in the team who are getting used to. To English football, and I think there are going to be some some big ups and downs for those players in the coming weeks. I think the point that Nick made about Hoffman, it was disappointing that the goal was probably down to him. Probably more disappointing was the fact that you could say the same about one of Bristol City's goals, which was also a, a, a set piece that Hoffman probably lost his man for. So I think there's there's, there's a lot of work to be done with, with some of those players. But um, yeah, I, I'm sure they'll get there. But I think it is quite a steep learning curve for them. This, this learning curve, it, 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 it kind of exaggerates the pressure. Um, foreigners uh, seem to be being singled out as uh, almost like um, it's almost like a swear word to be a foreigner and a Brentford player. You know, have we got too many? No, I don't buy that because there's plenty of teams that have done well in the championship. Um, with, with, with plenty of players they brought in. Um, I'm sure Middlesbrough last year had a... I think, what, a, I think Watford went up with, yeah, with seven exactly. dozen. Yeah, so I don't buy any of that. Um, I it may there, there may be a time where just you, you may need to get on the pace, maybe that, maybe a little bit of adjustment, but I don't buy that that's the basic, you know, that's the... That that's the problem for it, and we're going to suffer for the rest of the season for it. So, I, I, so, so being British doesn't seem to have hurt... You know, it's just not. You don't have to be British to be in the top flight. I am not having a go at them because of their nationality. 
I'm, I'm, sure I'm, I'm having there. a I'm having a go is that they weren't up to the pace of or the style of what we've been used to and you know and they need to understand what championship football is around. They could come from Mars, as far as I'm concerned, and they still wouldn't necessarily understand what championship football and the pace it is is about. And I actually to to put the boot on the other foot, as it were. I don't think Burnley quite understand what championship football is about as well. And they're obviously going to have to learn that, you know, they're going to have to battle it out over a longer season as well and not get the time to play, etc. In, in that league. So, you know, but, but let's not have a British versus foreigner thing. It's that you've got to start learning what it is championship football is about, whether you're brown, black or from Mars, as I said. And, and let's not forget, there's, there's a lot of new players here, all of a sudden, because we've lost a bit of a backbone, there's a hell of a lot of pressure on them. Mm. And we are so light in bodies, the fact that, if you looked at the bench, we were bringing on uh, kids from development squads who only two weeks earlier had failed miserably against Oxford, and they're getting rewarded all of a sudden against, uh, against Burnley. I mean, that just shows how light in bodies we are. Um, there's no time for these new, new lads to adjust, and... Uh, now, the sooner we add a few bodies to the, the squads, the pressure will be taken off a bit, and I'm sure they can uh, develop at the pace they want to. The another interesting thing for me, or something I was slightly disappointed about, really, was the fact that they had a decent pitch to play on on Saturday. Um, you know, it's, it's, that's not a, it's not a snide dig. That you know, but Burnley's pitch looked Burnley's pitch looked particularly good, um, and we we didn't look particularly great on that. Um, this weekend, we have got. What could be well, I think it's a case of Russian roulette. If I'm perfectly honest with you, you know, we're told that the pitch is going to be ready. Um, there's no reason why, no reason we we shouldn't believe that's going to be the case. But you know, it's peed down with rain in London for the last 48 hours. There's going to be more rain to come. Um, we have to trust the experts, I guess. But there's there's millions and millions of pounds worth of players out there, Jim. Can we really, honestly, risk? this weekend should we have called this game off and just be 100% sure that whatever pitch we put down is ready for the rest of the year um, uh, well I'm, I hear this is like some new blended style of pitch which may be able to adjust quicker I've never heard of a pitch that you can lay on uh, Wednesday and have it perfectly ready for a chance football on a Saturday especially with the weather we've had hasn't helped their task uh, it's been literally raining on those grounds with parades and I hear Steve Clark is not happy. He's going to send out a party of people to come and have a look at it. Uh, I totally understand that. If I was Reading right now, I would not be keen to play the game. Um, people were put, putting pictures on Twitter yesterday morning, or yesterday night maybe, maybe it was this morning being Wednesday. Um, the pitch wasn't ready. Personally, I don't see it. I'd, I'd be very surprised if it's a, if it's a surface playable for the championship. Mark, you know, none of us have got crystal balls. Um, there's no real reason we should to doubt any of these experts. Um, I just part of me is thinking though that how can how can it be ready for well especially when we've seen you know very important players get get written off for the rest of the season because of a dodgy pitch. Can, can we really risk it? Or, or am I or you know am I not reading this right? No, I, I, I share some of your, your concerns. I think, as has just been said, you know, a new pitch being laid on a Wednesday, 48 hours later, we're, we're playing an important game on it. There has to be some slight reservation, slight concern about that. But I also think if you just go back a couple of weeks, that the pitch we saw against Oxford was, was, was unplayable. And I think whatever's happened, we, 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 there must be, the pitch must be better than... than 
the, the surface we saw against Oxford, which was clearly, in my view, was clearly a, a dangerous surface on which to play. So, yes, there may be some risk involved, but we, we have to take the advice of the experts who say that it's, it's going to be better. Nick, are you, you confident? Yeah, well, I'm a glass half full guy, and I actually think that, you know, I think we've got to trust in, in people and say we'll get it ready. To talk about postponing another game, we would just be laughed out of the league, and I would suggest we'd probably be subject to very large fines if we weren't going to get the game on on Saturday. So, I mean, I just, yeah, there'll be people working for the next 72 hours to make sure the game's right. The only concern, having said I'm half full, uh, in my optimism, the only slight concern I have, and the one thing we didn't mention about the Burnley game, was the success of Maxime Collum, who was fantastic when he came on on Saturday, and was great to see him charging down a wing from the right back position. What worries me is that if he gets his feet caught up in the turf and something happens to him, boy, do will we miss that? Yeah, well, I mean, that, I'm serious, you know, that's, that's my point. If I'm really being honest, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, a troublemaker and. It's just the fact that there is there is there is so much at stake for the rest of this season that I just really honestly think that the wise choice would be to have called this one off as well. And you know, yeah, we we would have looked a little bit stupid, but you know, we would have been, we would have been a hundred percent confident at the next home game that this pitch would have been bedded down and ready for see. At the moment, I, I, I honestly think it's Russian roulette. Matt, what's your thoughts? Well, the only thing, last season Palace managed to do this in a 15-day window um, around Christmas time. So I don't know what the weather was like then, um, but I suppose, you know, that's a precedent that's been set. I don't know, I mean, I don't know the details and when they actually laid the turf, but it, how long has this window been? It's, the Oxford game was, it's, it's been more than, it's been, it's been about, about yeah, 17, been about 17 days, days, hasn't it? So um, there is a precedent for it to have been to, to, for it to have been done. There are, there are places that put on One Direction concerts and then 17 days later play football matches on. So come on, yeah, let's get this. There's jokes there about grass on pitch. I ain't going there. So Reading are getting their excuses in early, though, aren't they? Yeah, you've got, I mean, Steve Clark is banging on about it. We, you know, seems he doesn't want to play the game. I, I, I'm sure actually... You would think, and I don't quite know how this works, if Reading really don't want to play the game, I'm sure Brentford wouldn't have too many issues with that. I don't know. Um, so I'm sort of wondering whether Clark's just mouthing it off for his own benefit. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. Again, I don't know if the onus comes back on Brentford as having to have a pitch that's up to up to standard. You know, I, I think we will be punished for not having a grounds or a, a stadium that was ready to, to fulfil a championship but, but, fixture. But Clark won't be helping his own team because if Clark spends the entire week moaning about the state of the Brentford pitch, the the Reading team might do what the Brentford team were, had against Oxford and go on and thinking, oh, we can't play on this, and therefore, you know, it's a good chance for for, for us to take Reading out. I mean, I reckon Clark is not helping his cause by moaning about it in public. It's the type of thing you do in private and the type of thing you ring the Football League and the Referees Association and tell them to get down and check it, you know. Although, if I, uh, just speaking of, I mean, particularly about Reading, I mean, the way they played at the Majenski last year, I don't think the pitch is going to come into it too much. <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't, they're clearly an inferior team, but if, if I'm being brutally honest, I, if, I, I don't blame him. You know, if I, I, I'm saying that this game is Russian roulette and I, I, don't, I wouldn't risk our players on it. I don't blame him for, for I don't so, blame him for, 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 for worried about his. For Egan Stewart, can't, there can't be any reason why you can't, okay, 
So say, why not delay it for 24 hours at least, just to give it a bit more option, if, it is, if that is the case. If, if everyone is that worried about it, can't Brentford and Reading agree to delay it for 24 yeah, hours? On, can't on. they play it Monday night? I know it's an international break, we are getting, is that we are not getting, possible? We're getting into the realms of, of, of fancy. What you have to do is you have to say, and I maybe have egg all over my face on Sunday about this, but I reckon that you, know, you have to trust in the professional people who have worked this through. It, you know, We're living in the 21st century. 17 days to relay a pitch, even with all the rain. Uh, if you're a gardener, you want bloody rain for your lawn. Sorry, 17 days days allowed pitch but yesterday there wasn't a, a bean of grass on that pitch so so it, it's only just been put down in fact it might have been 17 days but it hasn't been it hasn't been down for 17 days the new pitch the new grass has only been down for 24 hours maximum but it's, what under, it's what's underneath the pitch as well it's all the drainage and, and, and the, the base level that there is you're making me sound like Cleve West now and I would suggest that everybody go and read Cleve's article on the Basotic website because that's a good guide as to what we might be seeing well, on Saturday we'll see what happens um, it's, it's in the lap of the gods to be honest with you we've got, we've got to trust that it's going to be alright um, and we've got to trust that if there's a pitch there and the game goes ahead, we have no more injuries. We move on. There's some sad news that's come out of Brentford this week. Um, one of the uh, Brentford family, a guy called Ricky Hill, has sadly passed away. Um, there's going to be a minute's applause for Ricky uh, at, the, at the Reading game at the weekend. Um, he was only 48, he, same age as me, started supporting Brentford pretty much the same time as I did so um, you know I'm, I'm not sure I knew Ricky I probably had seen him home and away for many a year but um, before before we have the uh, minutes applause I think um, just around the podcast table can we just all raise our glasses to Ricky and just say cheers mate come on you bees cheers Ricky Nick something that's come up on your radar yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, I raised at a fans forum the fact that the club should be paying their staff and um, contractors' uh, staff should be paid a living wage. And I was glad to read uh, this week this, that the club are about to do that um, and it will appear in the accounts for the, this financial year. Um, I know it sounds politically correct to say this, but it is absolutely crazy that with the, all the money that is floating around in football is that we are not paying our staff, um, particularly junior staff and the ones that work on match day, a wage that they deserve. So, um, you know, we're often critical of the off-field administration of the club in this podcast. I think this week we should say well done to the club and well done to the people who drove that through. Thank you. And, and uh, well, I mean, all I can say is hopefully... Uh, this will prevent some of the match day staff from uh, leaving to go join Burnley for a better day's pay. So, uh, well done the club for that. Yeah, well done the club for that. Yeah, we, I think we all understand how expensive it is to live in London and everyone needs to be able to earn an amount of money that allows them to do that. Um, so, yeah, there you have it. Well done, bees. So, we have a transfer deadline day looming. Bit of an odd one, to be honest with you. It's a Tuesday at six o'clock. Matt, why isn't it Monday midnight? Uh, don't know. Bank, bank holiday? Do we not do, do, do we not do we recognise bank holidays at football clubs and in the administration departments? Maybe they're all out eating 
pickled whelks down in Margate. I'm not, I'm not too sure. Jim? I, I, I heard that Jim White has got a family wedding on the Monday, so they've had to delay it for Sky Sports reasons. <laughs> it's, all, it's all about Sky, isn't it? No, no, it's no, all no. about Sky. But I heard that Natalie Sawyer was on the bus back eating whelks on the... Uh, Monday evening, so that's why. Is that, is that a euphemism? <laughs> that's not a euphemism. Well, you know, it looks like she got some sort of cockle stuck in her eye today. <laughs> I have to admit, because she she had a bit of red eye. Um, Mark, when was the last time you got something caught in someone's eye? <laughs> well, I said I had a difficult week last week, but <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, it, going back to the transfer deadline day is going to be a between we've got something like what four days left, four or five days left between now and, and, and uh, next Tuesday. I think we're going to. I hope that we're all going to be feeling a lot better in four or five days' time, but um, it remains to be seen. I, I, I do fear we might see only one or two arrivals, which would be a bit of a shame. There's a there's a shopping list though. There's a, there's an ins- an essential shopping list here. It it looks like one striker. Or to one or two strikers, one Herlock-esque midfielder. Um, what a Adam Adam Forshaw has been mentioned. Liam Moore's been mentioned. Marco Jurisin's been mentioned. Uh, are these players the kind of players you're looking for this window, Mr. Allard? Um. <laughs> Do you know what I've given up thinking about who I I love it when when fans say you know we should sign this player that player um, somebody texted me the other day said we should sign the Preston centre forward um, I I but we're going to sign if we do sign players he's British he is British he's British David Nugent but we're we're going to we're going to sign players that um, the, the most likely we won't we won't know who they are if that if that's anything to go by but my only worry is I do think that, that the value for money gets you know, it gets worse and worse as you get nearer and nearer transfer deadline day. Um, because, you know, if, if, if transfer deadline day really exists, because I've also got a theory that all the deals are already done. But, you know... I like, I, I like your theory that we talked about a couple of weeks ago that all deals were actually done in June and Sky just feeds these out yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's almost like we're caught in some transfer deadline day matrix where yeah. we just kind of feed them in. It's just like time has become a loop and we just chuck... Yeah. Deals in. yeah, and they're writing the script as we speak. This, oh. oh, we'll throw this in at ten past. Wait, I was going to say ten past eleven, but obviously at ten past five on Tuesday. Yeah, seems get, a strange they're, time. They're getting a bit more and more random. It'll be three o'clock, three o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday <laughs> next time. Jim, we we can't we can't let the window slam down without any players coming in. Otherwise, our club will go into effing meltdown won't it uh, it will and the fans will go into meltdown if they haven't been already um, we definitely need a couple of striker or two probably two strikers based on Burnley's performance uh, we are now in the uh, very uh, new territory now we've got a bit of money in our pocket and other clubs know it so they're probably holding out for a bit of extra cash now half million pound player is now worth a million two million pound player is now worth uh, four million uh, all because Andre Goy is worth 6.25 so um, I haven't got a clue who's going to come in. Forshaw has been mentioned. Uh, I'm not convinced really if he's uh, if he's the right fit for us. You know, uh, not because of the water that's gone under the bridge. He always took the, the stick he got with a smile. So poo sticks. Uh, poo sticks, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, we're signing him too. He's from <laughs> Eastern Europe. Poo sticks, but um, very much unproven in the championship. But uh, yeah, are you convinced about Forshaw? 
Never we, heard of him. We don't need another midfielder. We need to sign a striker. We probably need, due to the injuries, another centre back. Really? Um, we got we've got eighteen of them. Four fit ones. We have got. We have. Yeah, we've right. got four yeah. fit centre backs. Okay. All right. Okay. So I will draw my back. That says that. He's, 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 he's a hardy perennial. This Liam Moore. He keeps pro- cropping up every year. Have we not seen enough of him to know that he really isn't for Brentford? The new management team won't have seen enough of him. That we saw yeah, but I have. We saw I've seen the, enough the of old him. management team. Um, but the point about the point I was going to make about midfielder, and, the, and I was wanting to interrupt you at the very start of this piece, was the fact that actually McCormack on Saturday as well, I thought he was really good when he moved into midfield. Um, the, he was the enforcer that we were looking for. And I think, you know, if we can see Maxim Collin down as, as the right back, Alan McCormack as that midfield enforcer, some people around this table are shaking their heads, so that shows what I know about football. You know, go ahead. Jim, I have to say, and this isn't, this, 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 this is a fact, this isn't me trying to be saying the right thing. Maxime Collin is an example of a player that we have brought into this squad who looks fantastic. He played, uh, the way he played against Burnley for the 20 minutes he was on, looked like he'd been playing with us for, for years. He fit straight in, instantly had an energy. Um, you know, it, it could have been Odebaju running down that wing. So I'm really reassuring. Um, you know, if, if we can... It could, could have been Danny Boxall. It could have been Danny Boxall. Hmm. Uh, it could have been. Could have been Jay Thank Lovett. God it wasn't. Could have been Jay Lovett. Uh, maybe not. But uh, he's you know. the best fullback in this. <laughs> That's Danny Boxall. Yes. I'm getting confused now. I'm confused by right backs. But yeah, that was really encouraging. So if the recruitment can uh, snap out a player uh, in the grey mould in the way it's done in the other badger modes, then we're uh, then we're doing all right. But we need there's a lot of players that we need to come in considering how, how thin on the ground we are for numbers and not a lot of time to do it. The Allard. What are your expectations, mate? Um, I reckon we'll bring in one, maybe two, and then and then it's the, the loan market. The loan thing interests me. We said that before on this podcast. Is that at the moment we've not we've not got anyone in on loan. Um, our club's reticent to loan players to us at the minute just because we're we've got a new uh, management and coach structure. I don't know. Mark, you said something Discuss. interesting you Mark you said something interesting on the grapevine. You said you had no idea who was coming in, but you had a hunch. What is your hunch? Um well in terms of, of in terms of positions, I, I, I don't entirely agree with, with, with Nick in terms of midfielders. I think that's the area we desperately need. We desperately need bodies in there. If you'd said last season that we would have a midfield of Tamani Diagrava and Alan McCormack, I think we'd all have been pretty disappointed. And I, I agree McCormack at the moment is, is doing well enough to sort of push himself into that, that midfield, but I think we desperately need bodies in there. And I, I would, I wouldn't be very popular for saying this, but I'd almost prefer us to sign a midfielder than I, than I would have a striker at the moment. I think you can bring in a striker on loan, but I think as far as, far as a permanent body is concerned, you need someone in that midfield. The only thing I would say about, you're right about the midfield in terms of having a midfielder that goes forward, because actually on Saturday um, we were playing beautiful passes, but it was all left to right, right to left. It wasn't actually anywhere going forward. So, Mark, yeah, perhaps you're right and I'm wrong on that one. 
yeah, perhaps we do need to bring somebody in. But we are getting back a few decent midfield players who can offer that attacking. So perhaps, perhaps we should bring Forshaw in on a short-term loan. I think that it, would really show. Yeah, the, the injuries are, are kind of screwing us, and what we can't really afford to do is if we, in an ideal world, we're gonna, you know, you, we we get through it and then they come back and everything's great. Um, but it's all about confidence, isn't it? Football, I, I, I think so much of it is about confidence. And if you're going to wait around for a month and the confidence starts to dip, young players, new players, and the confidence starts to dip, you, you just worry a little bit. So maybe, maybe really the loan market is the answer. A month loan, somebody that needs to get playing from a good, good club, midfielder, you know, or a centre-forward, or one of each. And um, get them in, and um, you know, get them playing for a month, and then when the players come back, when the you know the injured players come back to fitness, then then, then we're looking reasonable again. I, I think what's equally important now is that we we have a settled team. Um, I think I think the, the manager needs to work out what his what what his what his best team is, what his fittest team is, and I think we need to just settle down and know what this new Brentford team is all about, and then 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 and only then we can judge. You know, the, 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 all this, all this incoming, outgoing, it, it causes a lot of grief, Jim. You know, really, at the start of the season, you need to know who your team is. Not a month into it, working out who may or may not be there. It's, it's, it's farcical, really, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, you know, not helped by transfer deadline day, but with the injury list we have, uh, I fear we might not have a, a settled team for two months yet. Um, we, we saw the effect of, of, of having a settled team in the year that we got promoted post the Stevenage dilemma. The team settled down and we went on a roll. But I, you know, I don't think the team can be settled now for a matter of well, you know, six to eight weeks or so until players start coming back. We need new faces. Actually, I was almost convinced there about a midfielder being as important as a striker when I sort of thought about the Burnley game and the impact that bringing on a player like a John Terrell or, or Stuart Dallas would have had in that game. I know I hate looking back, but those tight players. Um, would have would have changed that game. Or a Lewis McLeod. Or a Lewis McLeod, who who are unconvinced is now just an a, a artificial entity used for money laundering. I don't think he's a real man. So is he like a, him. He's a he's a Belize money laundering. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Company. It will be exposed. I, I think I think the thing about the, the midfield was I heard a, a really interesting comment on Saturday, which was if you looked at last season's team, I know we don't want to keep going back to, to what it was all about last year, but you look at you look at the midfield last season, when you have people like Pritchard and um, Douglas to some extent and, um, and Judge, if one of those players wasn't doing particularly well, wasn't, wasn't dictating the play, one of the others could pick up the mantle. At the moment, if Adam Judge isn't on his game every game, we haven't got anyone else who can do that. And I think that's, that's the area, that's why I think it's so important to get someone else in who can actually take, take a game by the scruff of the neck. Excepting, we'll also have Kirschbaum and Goggia, who will start to understand what it is, and I think you know, I think they can play those roles as well. I mean, Goggia, you look, you know, you look at the video of him, and by God, he can play some of the roles that Pritchard played for us uh, last season. So you know, let's not let's not write it off, let's not despair yet. If we don't end up with the midfielders in the transfer, and a message to those that are going, well, we had Dougie, he was a great player, and we got rid of him. You need to know the backstory. Listen out for the backstory. He didn't get chucked out of Brentford because he wasn't a good player. He was a good player, but he didn't fit in with 
the rest of the team and the rest of the setup. So there there are other there are other situations and there are other there are other reasons why he's not at Brentford anymore. So there you have it. So we move on. So in anticipation of the Reading game that may or may not happen this weekend, um, Billy chatted to the Tilehurst End crew. Good bunch of lads, good fanzine. Here's his chat with Wim, Handbags, strange, and Johnny. So they say the grass is greener on the other side, keeping our fingers crossed that the grass is greener on the Griffin Park side this Saturday and there's going to actually be a game happening. We've got the Reading coming down. Luckily for them, it's not too far down the motorway just in case things don't work out too well. We thought we need to find out what's going on in the Reading camp. So we've got the Tilehurst end crew. There's a whole load of them. We've got Wim, Handbags and Johnny on the other end of the line. Boys, what's going down? Not too bad, Billy. We're just uh, sitting outside, see the rain pouring down, hoping uh, I'm sure that'll treat your pitch brilliantly out of this game on Saturday. I'm sure Steve Clark's loving it. Well, Steve Clark, we'll talk about Steve in a minute now. I mean, I don't know whether or not the rain is good or bad for the pitch. I think we probably will find out on Saturday. But, I mean, going back to you boys, last season, I mean, the last time I spoke to you, we were just about to go into a little bit of a battle uh, down at the Majeski. We were. We thought that our playoff dream was at the end, and we had a nice little victory over you. But you boys did even better the following week. You made Derby cry because you ended up their playoff dream. We ended up in the playoffs, and it was a fantastic end of the season. So tip me out. Thanks very much, boys. Well, the end of the season, the last game of the season, was something that we hadn't seen in about the previous ten or fifteen games. I mean, obviously, we got to Wembley and took Arsenal to extra time, but those two performances aside, the rest of 2015 has pretty much been a write-off, I think you'll find. That, that Derby game was, uh, is, from our perspective, we got a little bit of history with Derby. It's always nice to make them cry. I mean, you've got, I mean, you did have a terrible league form. You had a great cup run, as we said last season. I mean, how come there's you know, such a difference between the two? I mean, you're a decent side, you've got decent players. You know, is it the side? Is it the manager? Is it just you can't be bothered? I don't think it... Honestly, I don't know. I mean, this season and in the last couple of games, we've actually played quite well but not got the results. I think there's been a lot of um, overhaul in terms of the playing staff, especially this season. Um, but it's, it's just been the same problem with scoring goals. I mean, we now haven't scored in six home league games, which is pretty pretty terrifying when you think about it. I think we've scored in four, four of the last 17 or something like that. It's just... Yeah, the, 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 the actual statistic of Steve Clark's home record in the league is seven goals in 17 games. Entertainment. A plenty. Last season wasn't great. This season, not a great start. Still in search of a win. You lost the way to Birmingham. You drew nil all both to Leeds and Franchise FC, a.k.a. MK Dons at home. And away to Wednesday as well. So you're still in search of that first win, which may or may not come on Saturday if the game's on. And Steve Clark is also looking for assurances for the pitch. Do you reckon that he's making excuses already? Don't think it helps. I don't think it uh, does him any harm, does it, to uh, get, a, get a few little blows in early, a few little excuses in the back of people's minds. But we're, we're used to playing on shocking pitches over the past couple of seasons. You know, we went up to, I don't know if you saw our quarterfinal with Bradford on the telly, uh, and, and that was basically a beach. It made Blackpool's pitch look like Wembley. So, um, you know, we've, as I said, and we went to Bloomfield Road as well, so I don't think you can really use it as an excuse. At the end of the day, it's the same for both sides. It's not like you've been playing on it very often. He does need the win. If we don't win on Saturday, it'll be the first time that we've gone five championship games without a win to start the season uh, since our mob was relegated in 98. So 
don't really want to tempt fate with a similar sort of start. Thankfully, this side's a little bit better. But no, I think the pitch is a concern. I think Clark does want his teams to get down and play the ball. But as, as we did show at Funnily Parade last year, we can capable of grinding something out no matter what the surface. Both of our teams struggling for a striker. As you probably know, Andre Great departed us in the end. He's been long coming, but eventually he made his way up to Burnley and stayed there on Saturday. Um, so we're without our main striker, which is a bit of a concern, it has to be said, because we were a bit toothless against Burnley on Saturday. You guys as well, you're obviously in search of a striker because you're not scoring very many goals. A few rumours flying around. Robert Berwick from Rapid Vienna. Even Vidra, he's a fairly decent player from Watford, is flying around at the moment now. And as apparently you've had 69 shots this season in all. So basically you're creating lots of chances, more than any team. But you've only scored two goals and only Bolton have been worse than you. So obviously it's a bit of an issue. Yeah, we're, we're in desperate need of uh, someone to play alongside Orlando Saar. Um, Saar was signed from Poland um, in the summer. He's basically... Pogrebniak Mark two. He seems to be a little bit of a step up in some ways, but he's in desperate need of support. We've also been incredibly uh, stifled by injuries to our wide players. So everything has been very, very narrow. Um, we've, we've not had any natural width, which has also contributed to the uh, the goal scoring issues. So if we can get some, uh, some, some wide players back, get some natural width in the side, and ideally, as I say, get a, um, uh, someone to actually play up uh, alongside Saar, I think we'll, we'll, we will be all right. But as it is, we're stuck with what we've got. We've got to try and uh, make the best of it. The good thing is, I mean, you mentioned 69 shots on goal. We have actually only conceded 20 shots on goal, which is significantly less than any other team in the division. So we're not giving away many chances, which, as, you, as, as any you know, football fan knows, um, if you're not giving away many chances, not, score, uh, not conceding many, it always gives you a chance of nicking that 1-0. And if we, you know, I, I, at this moment in time... If we did score one, I'd back us not to, not to concede as well. And the only three goals that we have conceded, deflected free kick, and two goals where our goalkeeper should have done better. So if we can cut out that, that goalkeeping error and have a little bit of luck on the way, um, there's no reason why we can't continue to keep clean sheets. Talking about nicking it then, Saturday, Brentford, Griffin Park. Last time you came down to Griffin Park, you were comfortably beaten by the bees that said, and also for us, it was the moment where we thought, hold on a second, we might actually do quite well in this division. It's 12 months on, nearly now. What do you reckon? How is this game going to pan out? We seem to be playing better away from home than we do at home because I think one thing that we've always struggled with is breaking teams down and sort of controlling games. Um, whereas Brentford, the way they like to play, I think being slightly more open uh, will allow us to hopefully score a goal, which is something that I think all Reading fans want to see. So I think I'll go for a one-all. I think we'll do better than we did last year. Last year we were struggling with a few... Uh, injuries. We had to throw in Aaron Cool, who's a, a talented 19-year-old uh, central midfielder. But I think now, um, I think we're better better equipped to, to cope with what you bring. So I'll go for one all personally. Yeah, I think I, I, we certainly do better than uh, than we did last year. There's been a, a wholesale changes pretty much. I think uh, Nigel Adkins set himself up for a fall last season, playing such a lightweight midfield with Cool and Ryan Edwards in the middle. With uh, with Ollie Norwood, uh, Steve Clark won't make that mistake. We'll certainly um, play with a lot more beef and strength in the middle of the park. I haven't seen anything at Brentford since since the new guys come in, um, so I don't know how the way he plays matches up to uh, to Warburton. But uh, I am expecting us to be a lot more solid. I don't think we'll uh, we'll concede such uh, such daft and pathetic goals than we did last year. But so hopefully we can uh, we can walk away with uh, with something. Yeah, the only thing narrowed on is that last survive 
is going to score against us, given that he was heavily linked uh, with a move to Reading in January. Uh, we didn't pull the trigger for whatever reason it was. I don't know whether it was money or whatnot in the end. Um, so yeah, he's nailed on to score. But now, apart from that, I agree with what the other chap said. We're, we're a lot more solid. We don't look likely to be overrun by any sort of side. And as you mentioned, you're struggling for goals as well. So it's going to be a cagey one. I think so getting that first win of the season is a monkey off our back we could really do with. But at the same point, I think if you go to Griffin Park and you come away with a point come the end of the season, I don't think you're going to be disappointed. So I think it's going to be a cagey one. I, do you know what? I just fancy us to nick it. I just fancy it's going to be a tight game. And I think we might just nick it 1-0. Okay, so you boys are fairly confident you keep it tight or maybe get nick it. For myself, I actually think for the first time this season, we'll actually get a victory 2-1 to the Bees. We talked about La Survive. He's just... Started to find his feet a little bit. I think that this is the game that he'll actually do it. They know they've got to get a big result after Burnley, which was a bit of a letdown. We have scored quite a lot of goals this season. We just didn't score against Burnley. That, that's my score anyway. But listen, boys, it's been really good talking to you. This is my last few hours in the sun. I'm actually flying back for the game on Saturday from the outer regions of wherever I've been for the last month and a half. <laughs> so uh, I'll be meeting you guys in the pub on Saturday before the game. We'll see you there, Billy. All right, then. Take, Take care. Back. Nice one, mate. See you later. So, Reading are in town this Saturday. We did a double over Reading last last year. Um, fantastic! You can never never tire of doing the double over Reading. Um, it, it may will it be different this weekend, Matt? I'll, 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 should we fear them? But they were rubbish. We beat them at Elm, we, Elm Park. We beat them at the Majeski. <laughs> Show my age there. Yeah, I, we beat them at Majeski, and then they went and they went and did us a massive favour by beating Derby in the last game of the season. But are they going to come looking for revenge? It's, there's also there's, there's this because of the pitch. There's this other sort of story that is under the radar not obviously in fact it's way above the radar I suppose um, I, I, early season all sorts of odd results happen uh, I think it's difficult at the moment to really I don't we haven't settled um, I have not I've not seen them play I think it's you know it's, it's going to be quite hard to call I think it's one of those games that we need to get a result in though um, it's time to a hearty win would be good a hearty win would be massive uh, can I trouble you for a prediction um, I, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with 2-0 to Bees. Mr Croxford. Yeah, I'm really confident. I think we'll... I think this could be a, a decent um, a decent kickstart to the season. Reading have not had the... They've not had the easiest start. They've got loads of new players. I think I saw they've got, have had 10 new players in their squad this season, so they're trying to integrate a lot of new people. No, Mr Kowsman said that Last week, the first 45 minutes was the best that he, he'd seen. Even if we end up with the same starting level as last week, I'm still confident we'll get a win. I fancy a free one. Nick, is this a game where all the new players, is this all comes together, everything will come together, and we will come out very comprehensive winners? Or is this a game where it all just goes pear-shaped? I'm not so confident to be around this table. I think we're still taking time to bed in. I think um, I think there will be questions by our players about about the pitch. They'll be a bit nervous, as will the Reading players. I can't honestly predict anything but a nil-nil, fairly boring draw. But I'll be there. I'll be there. Mark, you didn't give me a result, actually. Yeah, 3-1. Three, 3-1 one. Three, one Bs. Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. 
Give me a score, mate. Uh, well, I think this is going to be a very tentative game. It's got nil-nil written all over it, or no goals written all over it. And the no goals will be for one of two reasons. Uh, reason one, Brentford and Reading both have no attackers who can put the ball in the back of net. Reason two being the pitch isn't good enough and the match doesn't happen. But, um, yeah, I think we have, there's work to be done with our team yet. I don't see a scoring, but I think we can defend well enough to keep a clean sheet against a team that's struggling. So, nil-nil, and, um, yeah, we'll wait to see. So, nil-nil or no game, and, 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 I, and I, you've actually you sort of pre preempted me there. I, I can see this one going one or two ways. I can see it being a bees win or we won't play the game at all. Um, and I, and, I, and, I, and I, just, I just wish, if it doesn't play, that we just made the decision earlier to be honest with you because I could have gone away with the missus if I'm being fair so um, there you have it I hope you enjoyed another Besotted podcast our tweets are at Besotted our YouTube where all our videos are stored we do a video for every match it's a travelogue of pretty much the day out um, they're at Besotted1992 on YouTube and obviously the website itself is at besotted.co.uk um, be a uh, Lionel Road Stadium special next week. Um, we're going to have, well, uh, we'll announce what's going to happen next week. It's, it's, it's up in the air a little bit. It's an international weekend, so um, it's a perfect opportunity to look forward to our new stadium and find out from the people that are in negotiations and the um, compulsory purchase order of the last remaining plot on the new Lionel Road Stadium. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll have a whole hour dedicated to that next next week and hopefully we'll find out everything we need to know. So come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the Pro Pilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty. And with a bench full of all star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.